morning, Roxy Soxy. Good morning, Tam Tam. Are you missing me yet? I mean, how how have we gone this long without seeing each other face to face? Good day, mate. Do you have uh, budgie smugglers in your... Do you know what a budgie (laughs) smuggler is? (laughs) You told me this. It's balls, right? No, it's not balls. Speedo. Do you guys have speedos? Yes, like a ball hugger, like a like a speedo. A ball hugger. Yeah, like a like a ball, (laughs) a men's ball hugger. Yes. Yes. As a member. So do you I can't remember this, but do American men wear speedos? There are not a ton of speedos, usually on the beach. I mean, some do probably. Yeah, but Australians do. But those men can probably do just about anything. I mean, they can, they're like the big rugby guys, right? And they'll still wear yeah. the speedo. Yeah. So I used to date a rugby guy. And <laughs> honestly, he would come back to me every time he played a game because they don't wear helmets. Did you know that? So oh, when yeah. they There's actually, like no yeah, protective it's, like, anything, it's like what right? you guys play like football with like no oh. protection. So like, you know, he would never have like a helmet and he'd always get a concussion. But the funny thing about it, too, is that they weren't able to have sex for the week, like before the game. But the games were every week. So there was like no sex. (laughs) It was like one day we could have sex on a Monday, but it couldn't ever be anywhere close to the Saturday. He had sex like maybe maybe twice a month or something like that. How did you even like continue in this relationship? You would like die. That's not even a possibility. I broke up with him. Yeah. (laughs) Just not. But maybe our next guest can give us some insight into what dating is like. Mm. It's been a minute. Like it's been a minute for me. Um, And honestly, I think I would be pretty terrible um, at dating in this day and age. Like I don't I think I'd be terrible on apps. I would totally catfish everyone. Um, I would, you know, I, I, I don't, I'd have so many, cause right now as I get older, I've got so many things that I need to find in a partner. The demands list has gotten a lot longer and a lot larger. Yeah. So <laughs> who do we have? Who do we have on the show? Roxy Soxy. Oh my goodness. Well, we are so excited to have her back. She came in on like, I think it was maybe our first or second season yep. and we just loved having her. We did a, a podcast swap with her and we chatted about so much. It was such a great episode, um, just getting to know her and everything. So we knew we had to bring her back because she's going through a lot of life, uh, life stuff Mm -hmm. right now. And we have to know, um, how she's doing and what's going on. So without further ado, let's welcome Violet Benson. (laughs) Hi lady. Thank you for having me. What life stuff am I going through? Well, well, we're going to get into it, but the egg, egg freezing the lifestyle life change like going through like the egg freezing uh process and that kind of stuff because that does take a toll on your body and i heard also that it's like Mm -hmm. very emotional and takes a toll on your mental health too yeah yeah that is true but i'm so glad that i did it and i hope it encourages Mm -hmm more women uh to do it but first i guess i shouldn't choose myself i think i for i've been noticing i've been becoming more aware of it that sometimes i go on podcasts or other people and then i i i hear what the listeners say and sometimes they're like i don't even know who this person is not just me specifically but people in general and you're like right not everyone's gonna know yeah (laughs) so i'll introduce myself i'm violet benson i'm also known as uh daddy issues on the internet and i also have a podcast called almost adulting which is around mental health and dating mm-hmm. and you i mean you we last time we spoke to you you said that you know 
daddy issues obviously changed your life. And the more I watch your and listen to your show and I watch your Instagram, I realized that like you're taught, like you were always coming into your own. But now I feel like as we're in our 30s, I'm almost out of my 30s, but like you really are just completely open and also vulnerable. Like when I look at your Instagram now, I'm seeing like there's a lot of vulnerability coming through and um, that really makes me feel close to you, even though we don't know each other that well. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, showing the side of you that is suffering, which I mean, we all suffer, um, mm-hmm. it really does connect you to people. And and I think that the IVF and the egg freezing and that whole journey was was it was a big deal for me to watch because I'm even thinking about freezing my eggs and I've got two kids, you know. So can you talk us uh can you talk us um talk us through that process, why you decided to do it and um and was it what you thought it was gonna be? Hmm. Um I think I'm very happy that I made the decision to not go through Reddit or other chats to see other people's experiences. I think Mm -hmm. that's one of the worst things, in my opinion, that sometimes you can do is go and read all that stuff and just scare yourself before it even starts. And luckily, I wasn't ever afraid of needles. I, for me, I'm able to conquer fear by using logic. So in my brain, if I know I can't die from something, I will logically then understand that it's going to be fine. So um, in order to avoid any fear, I literally any type of anytime I do any type of whether I'm at the dentist and they're putting in a needle in my mouth or I'm drawing blood, I have to look Mm -hmm. at it Mm -hmm. and that puts me at ease because I just I see it happening. And then just because a lot of times the fear happens to be in our in our mental state more than it's actually the physical so sometimes when you think something is more painful than it is you start to think that you're feeling it being more painful than it actually is mm-hmm. so luckily for me the needle stuff wasn't the hardest part that was pretty easy breezy I was injecting myself for two weeks a couple of times a day and I also filmed it I wasn't mm-hmm. even planning on documenting it to be fair it was just, I think I posted one thing about it. And then suddenly I got so much feedback from so many women saying mm-hmm. how they were thinking of doing it, which mm-hmm. I was surprised because the only reason I did it because I just felt some pressure mm-hmm. to do it because I just, I wasn't not thinking of having children right now. I'm in my thirties mm-hmm. and I felt pressure. Like, I know I should be thinking about it. I don't feel ready. What if I never feel ready? Mm-hmm. And I thought it'd be a great way for me to do it just to have just in case I don't have to worry about it when I'm older. Um, and I also, I, to be, I didn't think I was even fertile because I was on birth control mm-hmm. until last year. And I had this weird assumption. I think a lot of women who are on birth control many years have this weird worry, which is one worry that I had that I just assumed that meant I'm not fertile because every, there's so many girls I know who have been on birth control most of their life. I, I was on it since I was 17 when I became mm-hmm. sexually active and mm-hmm until last year when I'm 33 and I, I figured, well, I've had a boyfriend come inside of me before and I didn't get pregnant. So it must mean I'm not, you know, I can't get pregnant. Lo and behold, to my surprise, (laughs) I found out that I'm incredibly fertile, which is another thing that I found out that a lot of women are not as fortunate. So it was interesting for me to go through so much feedback from so many different women about women who have been struggling to go through the whole process, women that have it easier. 
And some women would take it personally with me that I was fertile and they would get upset if I talked too much about being fertile, even though I was just giving as much information as possible. And I think it was a good way for me to document it because then it was inspiring for other women who are in their mid-20s, in their late 20s, in their early 30s, mid-30s, to just go ahead and do it, to get it out of the way. Versus a lot of times, I think us women, we we try not to think about it and we wait until mm-hmm. we are much older. And then mm-hmm. that's normally a lot of the time when issues arise and women are a little less fertile because we got a little older. So I think I think egg preservation mm-hmm. is kind of, it's not kind of, it's a very good idea for a lot of women that they should consider, especially if they can financially afford it because it's not mm-hmm. cheap. I do know insurance covers some of it. If you have a really good job, if you work at like Disney or something like right. that, yeah, you you get lucky. But um, I so how, am- how much it sorry to interrupt. How much is it? Because I I don't know. Like so so that people can um, understand like what the cost involved is. Um, I would say minimum ten from ten, 10 to twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. And then do you have to pay every month, every year for them to store the eggs? Yeah, I pay seven fifty a year to store the eggs. Okay. Which is interesting because when they, you know, I live in Tennessee now and there's, um, you know, women's rights are completely under attack. And, you know, the idea that birth starts at conception, which is when, you know, if there's embryos on ice, I know you've frozen your eggs, but if there's embryos on ice, my question then is if birth starts at, if, 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 ch- if a life starts at conception, what happens to all the eggs and the embryos that are, that people have frozen? Like, mm-hmm. what, 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 like, do they have, do you have to pay for them for the rest of your life? And then your children then have to pay for them. Do you have to birth all those embryos? There's just like right now where we are in, in politics when it comes to politics, because it's like, I think egg freezing is amazing. But then what are the repercussions for a lot of these red states when you do freeze your eggs? You know? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's really murky right now with everything that's going on. Um, And I think hopefully like things will kind of at some point reverse back to where they were before and really just keep people's freedom, you know, at the forefront and not try to strip people of their rights. But it is an interesting topic because I really don't think that it that it's shaken out that much. You know, I mean, people right. are so focused on, you know, a woman being pregnant, you know, like with the child in her body that they really aren't talking about like the the embryos or the, you know, frozen eggs and things like that. You know, it remains to be seen, I think. I think the bigger conversation that I realized from this would even go as far as the fact that I think when it comes to women's health, what's not discussed as much is the mental health that goes behind a lot of these things, Mm -hmm. that whether it's postpartum depression after pregnancy, whether it's somebody who went through an abortion or somebody that had a miscarriage or even going through the egg retrieval process, Mm -hmm. to me, I wasn't aware of because it was easy breezy for me up until Mm -hmm. the procedure. And then afterwards, I was experiencing aside from physical pain that I wasn't explained that that would happen because I have PCOS. So I produce too many follicles. But it was also the mental health afterwards. And when you googled it, when I googled it, like, how, when are you going to be okay after egg retrieval? Mm -hmm. And like, literally, all the scientific Mm -hmm. journals, all that it says, 
uh, as a woman, you should be good to go back to work within a day or two. But yeah. that wasn't happening for me. So A, I was in physical pain. So I'm confused because the uh, the scientific, the science journals articles are telling me one thing. Mm-hmm. And then B, I wasn't okay mentally. And then I'm thinking, I don't see this anywhere in these mm-hmm. medical journals and medical doctors saying that. So is there something wrong with me? Am I okay? What's going on with me? Until I had to Google I feel depressed post egg retrieval Reddit mm-hmm. going to Reddit chats. And the Reddit chat was like, I randomly, I'm, I'm so happy today, but for some reason I started bawling at lunch and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my God. Okay. So I'm not crazy. And again, I'm a logical person. So mm-hmm. I couldn't attach my sadness or anything I was feeling to anything. So I'm thinking I must be going, something's wrong with me versus, Oh, mm-hmm. my hormones are so all over the place. I didn't process that. That's still a thing I just assume you scraped everything out of me then I'm back Mm -hmm. to normal why is no one telling me that now I'm going to be emotional until my next Mm -hmm. period or maybe post my next period why is no one telling me I'm feeling suicidal like literally after my egg retrieval I was like I all these thoughts like no one loves me no one gives a shit about me I'm going through all this Mm -hmm. stuff and like I'm all alone and I had a friend staying with me at the time and she literally checked in on me she was going through a breakup and she checked on me she's like hey do you need anything about mine I said no, babe, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. She walks out of the room. I, I sit down. I'm like, why does no one give a shit about me? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not even logical. It doesn't even make sense. But that's how I was feeling. And I had no idea that I wasn't alone because everyone focuses sometimes, especially in the medical world, so much on our physical health. And no one's telling us of all that. It's like, oh, you're just being emotional. You're just mm-hmm. being a woman. No, I, I think there's something off with my hormones. I'm not mm-hmm. just being emotional even pcos no one really explains to you what you're going through and you have no idea that there's something it's it's so weird i think that's one of the things that we don't focus enough not just for women obviously for men as well with mental health uh, we're so behind with mental health for men when it comes to therapy but i'm saying for women a lot of times it's more like well women bear children it's part mm-hmm. of it and you're just supposed to do it versus okay but is anyone checking in on her is she okay mm-hmm. giving birth and now and a full-on ma- mammal i'm just thinking of my sister right now who just gave birth mm-hmm. you know she's leaking from her breast she's leaking from her private parts she has to wear a diaper mm-hmm. like is anyone checking in on these women are they okay yeah as, that's exactly why um you know i said that at the beginning of the podcast because i've had other friends that have done egg retrieval and done the whole process and they say the same thing they say my mental health suffered, you know, emotionally I suffered because there was no support for them in those, Mm -hmm. you know, in those lanes. I mean, yes, the physical, you know, they, they took the eggs out and did the whole thing, but there was no, and this, I think it speaks to a broader, you know, part of our healthcare Mm -hmm. system in general that we don't value, like you're saying, mental health. And there should be a component of that when you go through something that is so altering, like this process, especially when that's fucking with your hormones like this, you know, when like, you, when you have a baby, they say, I think it, what is it? Day four or day six, mm-hmm. you get the, you get the, the sad, they call it the sads or the blues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember it hit me like a ton of bricks and it's because all that estrogen and, 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 um, progesterone, it's so high. And then when it drops so fast and you just don't, your, your body's not slow, like, you know, over the course of a period, I definitely know that there's certain days that I'm worse than other days, but you mm-hmm. just, you just don't expect that. But I felt so low day six, I think it's day six, uh, mm-hmm. day two to day six after giving birth. And then you've got a baby and you're like, I'm supposed to be the happiest I've ever been. Yeah. Like, this is horrible. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? yeah, exactly. And I think, uh, if people just talked about it more, it's not even the support it's so you don't feel crazy. Someone lets you know, including the doctors, instead of saying, 
are you feeling any physical pain? It's like, how's your emotional check in? But I mean, my sister just gave birth and I would say she's not making the most sense, but I <laughs> luckily I'm trying to be as understandable as possible. So even hearing things like this about day mm-hmm. six and all that, I'm like, okay, like, okay, for example, my sister gave birth and for how three far days, out is she? How far out is she from giving birth? Um, Last week she gave birth. Oh, week. it's going to be, it's going to be six yeah. weeks before there's yes. some kind of normalcy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's her, she gave birth to her third child mm-hmm. and for three days, it was more me kind of on call. Can mm-hmm. I come to the hospital? And her husband kept saying, wait, wait, come now. Wait, actually, no, we can't because there's a limit of, uh, I think two people per mm-hmm. in the room or something. So it was more kind of around their schedule. But of course, I'm not going to say anything. It's not about me, but I'm kind of changing my schedule around whenever they're telling me to come. Okay. Don't come, whatever. Then finally the third day I can come to her house. I come to her house. I try to be with her as much as possible. And and I massaged her feet for a whole hour because one of her foot, one of her feet got swollen. Mm-hmm. And I was just massaging to help with the swelling. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday I called her about my because I just had surgery yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I called uh oral surgery. So I called her about my uh, when I woke up from um just the the drugs or whatever. Mm-hmm. I called my sister to tell her about how I feel better after my surgery and uh because it's something i've been really worried about for the last 10 months before going through it and instead my sister was like are you always this selfish joking <gasps> and i'm oh. like what and she goes i'm literally in so much pain from my epidural because they did it wrong and apparently and i'm like what are you talking about i'm like i can't how would i know you never told me she goes well i mean because you didn't ask because it's always about you and i'm thinking and i'm like thinking and I was just the hormones there. talking. I know. I was, I was sitting there. How would I, how would I process or know what to ask? I was just like, well, Karen, why wouldn't you just, she goes, there's a 1%, there's a 1% of women. They can have a, the epidural uh, in the wrong area in the back uh. or something that they can suffer from. Anyway, my sister's mm. one of the 1%. Oh. So I was just like, uh, okay, I'm so sorry. You're right. I should have asked what's going on with you. And then obviously we talked about her, but afterwards I was flustered because I called my mom and I'm like, mom, am I crazy? What yeah. just happened? I was calling her about my mm. surgery that it went well. And she called me selfish because I didn't ask her if she potentially could have the 1% thing that right. women pregnancy can have. <laughs> but you also like, I, I, as I get older, it's like, you can't, you can't judge other people's pain. Like you went through something that was traumatic for you and it was hard Mm -hmm. for you and it was stressful and anxiety ridden for you and you're human. And I don't like it. Look, I'm a mom of two. And maybe in the beginning when I was more naive, I was like, well, how does that person understand? I've got two kids. But now I'm like, every everyone's pain is valid. Like Mm -hmm. just because I broke two legs and you broke one doesn't mean like that that I win the situation, like I I win the pain threshold. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone yeah. is dealing with whatever trauma and whatever they're dealing with, and and sometimes people who in what the world perceives as less stressful is actually having more mental health issues from it than than the thing that's supposed to be more stressful. And someone's having a breezy birth, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just like yeah, we compare pain. Give birth. I, mm-hmm. I thank you for saying that, and I agree. But I you know I wasn't saying that in order to 
garnish sympathy. I mean, I already got it from my mother and I'm <laughs> sure that I didn't act selfish in any way, but I, you know, it's, it's part of the, the whole thing of not fully, I mean, even you just teaching me that's, you called it the sad. On yes. It's that's mm-hmm. about two to six. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I had no idea. So these are all, all loads of things that we don't know that actually happens with women mm-hmm. right after pregnancy. So being like, Oh, it's the hormones, all that. I don't need to take it personally. Mm-hmm. And my sister, just can't be my support system right now because she's going through her own thing. It's not, it's not personal, but I do believe that it's not, a, it's not a competition, but I'm also not going to hold it against my sister for calling me selfish. Cause obviously she's not all there, but I just need to understand that if mm-hmm. I was more educated about what women go through post-pregnancy, mm-hmm. I've never gone through it. Yeah. And this is why we have to talk <laughs> about all these things, you know, because like you're saying, like people just are not, they, even in this day, which you would think by now, you know, with all the social media and the podcasts and like everything, it's still, I mean, people still don't know, you know, about women's health that way, you know, and it's like almost like shrouded still. And it's like, oh, but you're supposed to have the baby and then just be fine and be back in the saddle and like, you know, be up and going and like, even with still sleep deprivation and these raging hormones. So hopefully, I don't know, hopefully it changes. Hopefully things get better. But I feel like yeah, you forget. <laughs> So sorry. You forget. You totally forget. And that's why people have mm-hmm. more than one child. Like I, I would love to, I think I want a third, but then when I really listen to what you're saying and I'm now back at the, you know, spinal <laughs> block and getting my stomach cut open and my, my nipples bleeding and uh-huh. screaming at my husband. No one talks about the relationships. Like that first year they say never divorce under two, like never divorce until your kid is over two, because you are not the same person for those first two years with your relationship. Like mm-hmm. I hate, there was times I'm sure you did too, Roxy, that I hated mm-hmm. my lovely husband, like hated him physically yes. hated him and I didn't want to look at his face and yes. I don't and again like no one talks to you about that and then people no. relationships that they're very happily in because they don't know what is different yeah I mean you have to give it time to kind of like settle in and work its way through I remember my poor husband's like in the next room but there was like a point like when the sleep deprivation really, really kicked in like six weeks in because you can kind of you're you're tired, you're exhausted and you're kind of like going through the motions. And if you're breastfeeding, you're doing that and like waking up in the middle of the night doing all the things. But like by the sixth week when you haven't slept in like yeah. six weeks and you're doing all the things I remember because my husband went back to work like the next week mm-hmm. after I had a baby. But of course, for me, you know, like, thank God I had a night nurse and my mom. But like, still, you're still waking up. It's not like you're just like sleeping and, you know, getting so much rest. I remember he was it was like the sixth week and he had been back to work for a month and. I just like grabbed him one day by the shirt and I was like, you better fucking come home at like today and let me sleep because I'm like, I, you, you just get to that. You have like a breaking point at yeah. some point. You know? It's like, you just, you can't go on anymore. You know? When I was doing research about mm. uh, for a cheating episode of my podcast, mm. I was doing uh, the, the different highest percentages of when men cheat most often so the mm. highest was when women make more money than men and then the second the second one in the percentage tile in the percentile mm. was post birth and it's basically loads of articles for women mm. on how to make sure to give enough attention to their husband because the husband may get jealous of the attention that the wife is giving to their child 
And I couldn't believe it. I tried to tell it to my sister and she started laughing and she's like, fuck off. Yeah. As if, because, you know, luckily my sister and her husband, they have a great relationship, but it's something that a lot of other women have experienced. The man, the, the, their husbands get jealous of the relationship that the mother forms with the child and they feel like, and they feel neglected. So they go out and find some attention. How mad is that? Yeah. It's some, it's cause they need validation that they're worth something, but to be fair, I look, I don't, I'm not justifying anyone cheating, but to be fair, like the woman that you've, I mean, I know for me, I can only talk from personal experience. I knew for me that I was this, like, I love you. You're my best thing in the world to like, oh, now this is, you know, <laughs> oh now. And, and I didn't do it on purpose, but I, I, I didn't treat him. I think in at least the first six months like really even like a, a person like I and and I I didn't know that until I stepped out of it. And I was like, you know what? Um, I wasn't fully aware of how I treated you again. He mm. stayed with me. He loves me. Obviously, he didn't cheat on me. But, you know, I was yelling all the time. And I think I had postpartum depression and it was not a very nice household to be in. Um, so I don't obviously advocate cheating at all. But you can see why guys do feel I know that is like they need to, but maybe that's what you're saying. Men need courses or to talk about it because they don't and go, your wife is not going to be like she was for a good six months to a year. And you're just going to have to in general. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you don't, if you don't fully, if, if uh postpartum depression seems like a myth to some people, mm -hmm. then assume, Oh, this person just doesn't love me or care about me versus mm -hmm. no they're going through mental health issues. And you're just not there. But if you communicate it, then you can work through it. I think it all, in the end, that's why it's important who you have a baby with it, because mm -hmm. that's why I remember when I was um, dating my ex, we're on and off for eight years in my 20s. And the way we would fight was, well, you know, that American saying cats and dogs. Is mm -hmm. And my mom told me, Violetta, if you got like, this is supposed to be your honeymoon stage. Like if you guys can't make it work before you even married, you will never survive marriage. And then you definitely would never survive having a child. Mm -hmm. So I would interesting well was that was the fighting because a lot of couples have fighting as like a sign of intimacy it actually is one of their <laughs> weird love languages like you roxy is that what you're trying uh, to say <laughs> no no but uh but but no it actually for a lot of couples fighting is a sign of the intimacy so do you think it was that or was it just that it was like not the right person you weren't getting along I would say when he would say things like when we would break up and he would say things like, I'm going to run you over with my car. And I say, well, I hope you fucking kill me. Cause if you don't, I'm going to be coming after you. And then like later that night we'll be having sex. I wouldn't say that's the healthiest relationship that you want to eventually, you know, you get old and you and fighting like this. Yeah. So it's hard. So you also, I, I, I think I saw this on your Instagram, but you said you've been celibate for a very long time. Is that true? Yeah, but it's okay. It's odd to me. Mm. That, that seems like such a weird thing when in reality, I'm just taking back dating to the mm -hmm. old days mm. where I to get taken out on dates. I have fun and I'm just not sleeping with any of these men, especially if they're sleeping with other people. Why would I want to mm. share my body where... Mm is just sharing all the fluids i believe in energy exchange and it's and it's mm. off me that it's become such a big deal like today um earlier today i recorded a podcast and mm. another podcast and in the podcast 
they asked, uh, the girl asked about me and this guy she saw me with. And then she's mm. like, okay, so how big is his dick? And I'm like, um, I don't know. I didn't see it. And I'm like, I think it's crazy just because you saw us together. You just assume right away that we're banging. And like, mm. of course, you're going to high five the guy. And then you're going to shame the girl. When in reality, no, we hung out. We just kissed. Like nothing else happened because I don't need to sleep with every single guy that pays attention to mm. me. Sleep with every single guy I go out with. Mm-hmm. It doesn't what- feel good. So what is sort of bringing about this shift right now for you? Because, you know, with like egg freezing and with this like sort of change in like dating scope, like, is there something that's like kind of like you feel like an energy change or like what's, you know, like what's I going on? I just, my issue is that I will fall into a relationship. Mm. It's actually me just avoiding being in a relationship with someone just because I slept with them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Or it's, it's, it's for my mental health. Cause I know it doesn't make me feel good and I get attached right away. And then I'm not able to, to think logically of, is this guy kind of racist? Like, mm-hmm. does he, believe, you know, Oh, mm-hmm. okay. He doesn't believe in abortions. Should I really be sleeping with that? You know, all the, like those thoughts mm-hmm. in my head. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. you can just see us being together. It's like V he's homeless. Yeah. But <laughs> oh, he me. And it's just because he was inside of me for five seconds. Yeah. So it, it, it wasn't good for me. Mm-hmm. And I mentally am better when I'm able to. And plus, it, you bring back dating where I feel that if they don't call me, I don't give a shit because mm-hmm. I didn't sleep with them. So for me, it's whatever it works for my mental health. Mm-hmm. Everyone out there, is, uh, you know, they can do whatever they want. And I'm not shaming someone who likes to sleep around because it works for them. It doesn't work for me. But I, I will say for my listeners who are in situationships, it doesn't mm. seem like anyone's happy in that. And I believe in situationships, the the, one, the person that benefits the most is the guy. Mm. So mm. I want to take it back to dating. You want inside my vagina, court me, buy mm. me flowers, take me out on dates. And I make it very clear and I will say, I believe that women set the standards and men follow. So mm-hmm. when people say these comments of, you know, dating just different now, blah, blah, blah. No, then you just have to find your people. Not mm-hmm. everyone is okay with it. But I will say, regardless of who I've dated so far, regardless of age, regardless of what they did for a living, when I tell them I want to get taken out, I want you to buy me flowers, I want you to take me on dates, I've never had an issue from musicians mm-hmm. to accountants. Mm-hmm to whatever their profession is, they've always been okay with it. Mm. But w- So what's your biggest turnoff then when you're dating someone? Obviously, one of the turnoffs is probably trying to get into your pants, <laughs> um, like straight away. But like, what is, yeah, what is like, what is a turnoff then when you're dating, a, when, I, when you're t- <laughs> dating a guy? Mm, lack of effort. Mm. Mm. I think that's a turnoff for most people. Lack of effort would definitely mm-hmm. be a turnoff. But look, all guys will try to have sex with you. Mm. If you have a hole, they'll try. It doesn't matter if he's an asshole or a nice guy. They both want to fuck you. Mm-hmm. Again, you set the standards. And I'm of course, in the beginning, they're going to see how far they can go. But when you say, no, 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 I'm not interested in having sex or this and that, they follow the rules. Mm-hmm. They're like, a little, you know, it's it's not that... Of course, I look at this point. I now I haven't had sex since 2021, end of 2021. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to think maybe, <laughs> maybe just one. <laughs> like at this point, you know, maybe are you missing one. it? Or, are you missing it, or do you not really care? Oh, I would 
do you miss it? Be okay. Yeah, of <laughs> I mean, I mean, at this point, I'm already over masturbating. Like, how much longer? <laughs> Vibrators broken over and over again, huh? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, you know, hasn't been great. But at this point, I don't even know why I'm doing it. Mm. Well, I you're doing it, like you said, because you want you you're probably looking in this time of your life. You're looking maybe for the guy you want to have. A, I don't know, maybe to, to be in a long term relationship with, to have a baby with. Maybe you're just wanting to find the right person and and again like you said you can't find the right person if you're sleeping with all of them because i agree with you i don't when i have sex with my husband he can do no wrong like honestly he Hmm. is the best guy he's the bee's knees and when i'm not having sex with him we fight so i understand that and i think it's women i think it's just biologically women um gatherers and hunters and when you have sex with a guy like you connect on a deeper level and it's hard to walk away i think that that's like a biological thing mm-hmm. yeah and i don't want to sleep with someone i just i'm just i feel that for me it helps me gain my power maybe i'm too much of a control freak and i am holding it's not like that i'm holding sex over people and but it's mm-hmm. more saying i don't want to sleep with someone unless i'm choosing to be exclusive with you so i've dated men Mm-hmm. Uh, last year I was dating different guys and we did other things than except sex. Like it wasn't that we didn't do other things. We did other things, but for some reason, for me, I just attached sex to such a different type mm-hmm. of intimacy mm-hmm. that it made me feel like I can survive a breakup if it doesn't mm-hmm. work out versus mm-hmm. if I was sleeping with them, it would be harder, but mm-hmm. it would also allow me to get to know each other because if I was going to sleep with someone, then I probably would stop wanting to hear any them talk. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I attack because me and my ex, we used to just fuck mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't my best friend. Hey, I've got a question for you. Do you want to learn a new language? I know I do. I'm planning on going and visiting my sister in Spain this summer. So I am all about learning Spanish. So I'm going to turn to Rosetta Stone. They're a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. And Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. There's also built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's almost like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's so convenient and such a great value. And we have such a great deal for you guys. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, women on top listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. And I didn't know how to have intimacy. I thought sex was intimacy. Mm -hmm. I can count on both hands the amount of men I've slept with. Mm. So I've always been that type of way. But I, as I got older now, post my breakup in my my late 20s, it's more me getting to know now what I like, what I don't like in dating, what was toxic, what wasn't, mm-hmm. and kind of learning how to, I'm looking for a best friend before I make it physical. Because a lot of times you rush into the physical and you don't realize that the emotional hasn't caught up. And that's what you'll mm-hmm. get confused when you, if you sleep with someone, quote unquote, too fast, mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, he's changed. Did he change? 
Or is he actually the same? You just assume that now he's supposed to call you more or not follow these girls or all these things. When in reality, you haven't caught up in the emotional sense because you haven't actually got to know each other. You just rushed into sex because it felt good for five minutes. So I'm looking for a best friend where we can get to know each other. And then the sex is going to be better. And then when we finally sleep together, we caught up to the our emotional connection mm-hmm. with our connection. Cameron, do you usually wait like in your past? Have you waited to have sex or was it like pretty quick as soon as you met? Well, I lost my virginity yeah. on my parent in, in this house, on my, uh-huh. on my parents' steps of this uh-huh. house, um, uh-huh. on my 18th birthday. Uh-huh. Um, and I met my husband at 22. Mm. So I was only sexually active from 18 to 22. But here's the deal. And I think you know this. I was very teased when I was at school. Um, I was an overweight kid. I had braces. Um, I was made fun of a lot. And then, you know, when I started to take care of myself, I had a little bit of a a change, a physical change. And Mm. I started to get attention. Never had attention before. I didn't really know how to handle it. So Mm. when I was 18, I, I dated the entire suburb of Sinai's, which is where my parents live. Um, I kind of went crazy with dating because it made me feel like I was worth something because I felt so worthless for so long um, that sex and physical attention based on my looks or my body was what I needed to feel enough. That's fucked me over as I've gotten older because I realize we all get older and your body starts to sag. You have kids, your boobs start to sag, you're, you get more of love handles, you have wrinkles. And that really affects me because I feel like without some kind of like looking good, I feel mm. like I'm not worth anything. Um, mm. That being said, back to your question, I had quite a bit of sex from 18 to 23 um, because, again, it was the first time anyone had ever wanted me. But I would say I only regretted three of them, probably. And Mm -hmm. um, it goes back to that, you know, now as I get older, I realize that I only slept with them because I felt bad. I felt bad that I had been with them, dated them, and I hadn't given it up. Mm-hmm. But um, but I don't know what I would be like now. Again, I've been with my husband for 15 years, I think. Yeah. So I don't I don't know how I would be in the dating world. I probably would be like Violet and I wouldn't I don't think I would sleep around Um, mm-hmm. not because I think there's anything wrong with it, but just because. I want someone to like fall in love with me before I show them all my stretch marks. That's really what it is. <laughs> stretch marks is just like, I want to have more of a connection and I want it to mean something even for me. Mm-hmm. Look, if I, if I was one of the 20% of women that can actually orgasm from just their whole, mm-hmm. I would sleep with everyone, but I can't. I'm like the 80% of the women who can't orgasm from uh, their vagina and mm-hmm. orgasm from my clitoris so it doesn't really benefit me to sleep with someone the first time where i'm not coming i mean mm-hmm. they can go down me but then i don't have to have sex <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> that's so, interesting i only orgasmed with my well again 23 but i only orgasmed and i might take this out see if he's okay with it i'm sure he'll be fine i'll be sure i love this um with him was the first time i actually orgasmed through sex what do you Maybe mean that's why i married him <laughs> <laughs> literally <laughs> what a compliment. that's amazing yeah yeah. So I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> I didn't know that 80%. You said 80%. Yeah. I think only 20% of women can orgasm from their vaginal. Vagina. 
Wow. Can you Well, which which we have had sex experts on the show who have said that the clit actually extends all the way through into the vagina. So what is technically known as like the G spot is actually still part of the clitoris. So I think like like you're saying, like it might be like the front, you know, like the front and part of the clitoris, but they say that it's the whole um that it extends the whole way. But that's that also just means um the G spot where now guys like to put their two fingers in there mm-hmm. and just tap it. Yeah. Or it's partly P, partly mm-hmm. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it just it's connected in a sense where if you have an orgasm from your clitor- uh, clitoris, mm-hmm. then you're more likely to have an orgasm from the G spot afterwards. That's mm-hmm. kind of how it's connected, but it, it's still not all women can orgasm from their hole. And sometimes when they think they're orgasming is because they're on top and then the clitoris is getting a vibration mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. So everyone's body is different, but also that's how some women can have anal and they, they get an orgasm from the anal, but mm-hmm. it's actually because the penis is hitting the vaginal walls and it's hitting mm-hmm. the spot. And that's how they're orgasming, even though they think it's from anal from their bum, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of research on it and I've also had recently uh, sex with Emily in my podcast. So every time she comes mm-hmm. on, she just educates me on all of these things. Um, but it is time for me to have sex. <laughs> You're like, it's time for me to have Why do you, you could have butt sex, right? I call it butt sex. It just sounds better. Um, <laughs> and then you're not having sex. <laughs> Although I mean, some I people think it's way more intimate. <laughs> I mean, I may get attached. I, I don't mind. I mean, I'm down with anal. I haven't had it in so long, but I don't know. At this point, you, at this point, I, I don't think I'm asking for for too much. I'm it literally mm. this, it's like someone just court me enough and I will sleep with you. So just <laughs> whoever I've been dating, a little bit of letdowns. So yeah. I'm like, okay, I got it and sleep with this person. But like my standards are not that high. I'm mm. there. I'm not asking for that much. So me not getting it. I'm just looking for that person to find. I don't know. I just, I need that emotional connection. Yeah. On yeah, your for sure. on your Instagram, you look close. I've seen a few uh, uh, TikToks or reels um, about you looking at women. Is that something that you're into as well? Or is that just a surface thing that is fun and playful in the moment, but it's not something that you'd pursue? Um. Oh, so you must be on my close friends. <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't think this one was a close friend one. I think it was like uh, you were looking at someone. She looked back and you're like, wow, or something like that. Uh, I just genuinely find a lot of people attractive. I can appreciate looks. I I would say I am very fluid in a sense where I just am more attracted to who people are. I, I don't really have a type, whether it's with a man, their physicality or with women in general. Uh, I haven't had a chance to fully date a woman before. I I wouldn't say I've never been with a woman, but I've never really, I didn't full on date a woman before. Mm. I wouldn't strike out that possibility, but I do think I'm definitely a little more drawn to men, but I think it has to do a little bit with my daddy issues where I look for a strong Mm. man. Am I not going to be your close friends anymore? <laughs> You're going to all of a sudden. You're I'm off like, the list, Tamman. I'm off the close <laughs> friends list. Look, I believe women's beauty. I think women are just mm. so beautiful. I mean, women's bodies are art. 
I mean, you look mm-hmm. at a man's body, it's a square and then this long, w- w- weird, gross banana that's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the balls are just like, what is that? Why does it look like that? You know, it looks like those uh, skinless cats. Mm-hmm. And then a woman, their shape, like we have all these curves in the shapes. Like, how can I not appreciate the beauty of a woman's mm-hmm. body? It's literally, they're literally walking art. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. <laughs> The sexual energy, though, I feel like is different because like a man, it's like the energy, like, like, I feel like I'm attracted to that masculine, like you're saying, like strong man sort of energy and women can have it too, but it's a different sort of energy. It's not, I don't know, for me, at least when I kind of like look at men and women and I too can admire a beautiful woman and say, my God, she is, you know, gorgeous. Like she's a beautiful body, all the things, or she's intelligent, whatever it is all the good qualities, but there's something about a man and just, it, it, it's so like within them. It's like that energy, you know, well, I wouldn't say every man. I, I think definitely energies mm-hmm. are different. I've definitely mm-hmm. been attracted to women before and been interested mm-hmm. in them. But uh, I think I, with women in the past, it seemed that maybe I would be the more masculine one. And I actually like to be a little more feminine when I'm dating someone because I'm always in control with everything I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm such a, a control freak. People sometimes think that I would, what that would be that same way in relationships. When in reality, I like to take the back seat in relationships and in bed. So I like to be very submissive in bed and I like to be very submissive in relationships in a lot of ways where, mm. you know, I can suggest where we can go on a date. I can suggest ideas. And then I'm like, okay, it's up to you to plan it out. Mm-hmm. that's where I kind of take the back seat. So then I look for a partner mm-hmm. uh, regardless of gender that can kind of treat me like a little cute princess. I totally get what you're saying about in bed too, because Tamna and I have talked about this on the show. It's like, because we're so alpha, you know, just with work and in life and, you know, being mothers and the whole bit that it's like in bed, it's like, that's exactly what I want is the opposite. I want to be like submissive, have the guy take the reins, like, Throw it up against a wall, like do all the things, you know? Yeah, I didn't before like yeah. that. I didn't know that was a thing until I was watching. Uh-huh. I just recently watched Jane the Virgin mm. first time. And then Petra mentions uh-huh. it to Jane that she likes to be very submissive in bed because she's a control freak in real life. And I was like, mm. oh my God, that's why I like sex the way I do. Like I mm-hmm. never crossed my mind that that would be how you would be, you know? Yes. Because strong, powerful women are constantly, Mm -hmm. like, it can be exhausting. Like, you're always in the world, blazing your own path, hustling. And it's just, Mm -hmm. like, sometimes you just want somebody else to do that Mm -hmm. to you. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm the same way. Like, I Mm -hmm. I need someone to be pretty, like, aggressive, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't like sweet and gentle. I mean, it's fine to begin with, but. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. No, I, I mean, actually, what, why am I even talking about sex? I, I don't remember. <laughs> well, you do like, know about Zodiac. <laughs> you do know about Zodiac signs. So I wanted to ask you, because I'm, a, I'm obsessed with the uh, astrology in general. Okay, so I'm going to ask you. So I'm a Leo. Yeah, I remember. Shocking. Like, yeah, <laughs> shocking. And my husband Capricorn. and daughter are Capricorns. <gasps> and my other daughter is a Libra. And those signs, I feel like my perfect signs are um, Aries or sometimes Gemini's. Um, mm. I do, I do like a Scorpio. Although all my friends, I've, 
I've fallen out with have been Scorpios. <laughs> um, because we're like besties and we're so obsessed. And I know you're a Scorpio, but we're so, so obsessed with each other. Um, and then like, I think it's the lion and then the tail. And I think we like, I don't know, something about, I don't know. I think they're really good together or they're really bad together. Please give me some some help with it because I know you know a lot about this. So firstly, mm. tell me about my family. So I have two Capricorns, a Libra and a Leo. So what works and what doesn't work? I mean, your relationship clearly works. So I'm not going to sit here and say, Sometimes. you know, Capricorn <laughs> doesn't go. I think, I think there's only so much you can equate to Zodiac signs. And just because your Zodiac signs are compatible doesn't mean that you're meant to be together. Like, I don't get it. I'm a Scorpio. He's a Pisces. Like, we should be mm-hmm. together. Yeah, but if he doesn't want to be with you, yeah. then it doesn't work out. So I think it's still about two yeah. people wanting to make it work. I will say in your in your sun, in your chart, you have a, loads of other signs. So mm-hmm. sometimes your the way you love, let's say your Venus is compatible with your husband and, and that's in you guys' first house, which is more apparent in your personality. So for example, I'm a Scorpio, but my rising, it, my rising, my Venus is Libra and it's in my first house. So my Venus, how I love is in my first house. So mm-hmm. that means I would have more apparent, supposedly Libra in my chart. So sometimes I think I equate my flirtiness and, you know, liking to dress feminine to my Libra. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Leon Capricorn originally, they don't really go hand in hand, not mm-hmm. normally, but I will say earth signs are really good at dating anyone. Cause they're so grounded and they're very good at grounding other people around them. So I think just cause your sun signs are not compatible. I'm pretty sure I'm, I bet you, if we checked all the other signs and let's not do it while we're recording this podcast, <laughs> that's not the case, but like, I bet you your other signs are compatible with each other. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. The lion. I'm telling huh? you, Scorpios and Leos are like I've had about six. The only friends that I've fallen out with about four of them, they're Scorpios, and it's not because like we are. I feel like I'm. There's something about a Scorpio and a Leo. It's just mm-hmm. like a firebomb in such a good way. Fire, yeah. It's so really wonderful. Cool. It's like I could I could talk to Scorpio for hours, but then when it goes bad, it goes bad. <laughs> You know, how do you express your anger? Ooh, depends on who I'm with. Like my husband, aggressive. Um, friends, probably more passive aggressive. Passive aggressive is not telling how I feel, but um, letting you know how I feel without having to be direct about it. Hmm. How does your husband deal with conflict? He shuts down. That's me too. So what happens is it's like a run. It's a run chase type relationship. So the more he shuts down, the more aggressive I get. Because when he shuts down, I feel scared that he's leaving me emotionally, physically, because I don't know what's going on. I'd rather someone yell at me so I know how they're feeling than to not talk. And he said to me that shutting down is better <laughs> than being aggressive. Mm-hmm. And because in society, if you're walking down the street and you're pissed off at something and you shut down, that is socially acceptable. Whereas like if you're walking down the street and you're pissed off about something, you yell at someone that isn't socially acceptable. And I said, yeah, but in relationships, I'm just as scared 
of you shutting down that you are of me screaming at you because he had a very um, tumultuous upbringing. So like, but then I also had relationships with family members that used to shut down. So like, we're both living in this fear of like, he shuts down, I yell. Then sometimes I get so frustrated that I will shut down. He won't yell, but he'll start to run after me. And that's kind of this, the, the cycle that we are trying to break, which is this run chase type relationship. Yeah. Well, I would say that is not really about, about Zodiac signs. And I think it's just more your communication skills, but each there's no wrong way with how you react to arguing because I personally shut down and I get overwhelmed when I've had friends or relationships where they need to confront me. I mean, even my sister, my own Mm -hmm. sibling, where they need that conversation now. And for me, I just get more backed in the corner because Mm -hmm. I shut down because I don't want to say anything I'm going to regret. And I need to process logically what's happening in how I feel. So there is no right or wrong way. But I think in the end of the day, when it comes to that is you're, you have to fight to come together instead of fight to break up. And a lot of times in relationships, I used to fight to break up where mm. I want to win. And really, what am I winning when in the end, we're both sad because we're not together versus mm. w- fighting to come together where you have to figure out, okay, I shut down and you yell. Is there somewhere we can come in the middle? L- can we take an hour when we take a break and then come back and have a conversation? So and like, you know, you have to kind of come in the middle where you can both agree what you both need to feel safe versus being like, well, your way is wrong and my way is right. So let's just go my way. When you both grew up doing something completely differently, because at this point, both of you are not going to change. So you're going to have the same argument over the same thing over and over again. So mm-hmm. I think it's about coming together and it's nothing to do with your sun signs. It has to do with just how you grew up communicating what you're used to. Mm-hmm. That it's hard though, when you're heated and you're in the moment, you know, to like really have that step back. But our therapist told us to have like a safe word, like you would say computer, whatever your word is. And that would just cue your brain to sort of step back and like try to deescalate and taking your right Violet, taking that, like the, the time away and just trying to come back. But it's, it's hard to do when you're in the middle of the heated moment, you know? So much easier. To, it's like when you're a basketball coach, it's easier to coach than to actually be the one to play the professional basketball. It's so much easier to give this advice versus when I'm in it and mm-hmm. I think I'm right. And I, because my first reaction is either to take a step back or if I feel in a corner, I'll just say, you know what? Then this is not working out. And mm-hmm. I got to learn from my sister that they never use the the D word, divorce. Mm-hmm. It's not funny. It's not a good threat. You don't use it unless you mean it. So that's like, they have specific words that they'll never use. And mm. I think that's really good because my first reaction with any time something's not a fairy tale is mm. maybe this yeah. isn't working out and expect the other person to chase me. So they say, yes. you, okay, then you don't like me. Then I don't want to do this. And I'll be like, what? Mm-hmm. So I'm also, just because I can give good advice doesn't mean I'm always following that advice. <laughs> We have safe words around our kids because Mm -hmm. I think when we show our patterns of how we fight in front of our children, I feel like it gives them the blueprint to their next relationship. And they're like, well, I mommy yells and daddy shuts down. So it's like, you know, that's normal to them. Or if we start to yell at each other, I want them to 
choose someone in their partnership when they choose a guy or a girl, whatever. I want them to choose someone that respects them and talks to them, you know, with great communication. So if we are not communicating in a healthy manner, I feel like that's going to ride off on my on my kids. I feel like I've become a bit of a better person because of my kids, because I can't say all the things I want to say. Not that I could before, but I felt like it wasn't going to affect more than just me and my husband. Now there's two little mm-hmm. girls with their ears perked up going, you know, what does this look like? And is this normal? Mm -hmm. Okay. I do think that one thing we'll never realize is that it doesn't matter how much you think you're protecting your children, your Mm -hmm. children will always still have some type of childhood trauma, whether Mm -hmm. or not they realize it or not. That's the Mm -hmm. wild thing Mm because you can't be a perfect parent and you don't know how you're going to affect your kids. Because for example, my parents made sure to never fight next to my sister and I. And it wasn't until I was an adult, only I think the last year or two, that I realized I was repeating a pattern without understanding that it was happening, that every time there was a disagreement with a partner that I was dating, right away, I thought it meant something was wrong. And I said, okay, then we're not right for each other. Because, and I didn't realize that had to do with the fact that I never saw my parents ever fight in front of me because they were protecting us. And I remember when I got older, one time my mom and I were sitting and she goes, she was just nonchalantly talking a couple of years ago. And she's like, oh, yeah, I remember, remember when we first moved to the U.S. I was 14, moved to the U.S. She goes, yeah, you know, your, your father was really annoying me. And I, w- I started looking for some new places. I was going to divorce him. But then, you know, things worked out. So I didn't have to find a new place. Anyway, do you want to what do you want to have for lunch? And I was like, what? Wait, mom, what are you talking about? She goes, what? What do you want to have for lunch? I'm like, no, before that. You were going to divorce my father? She goes, yeah, he was really annoying when we first moved to the U.S. It was just like he was the first time us really living together. He was too much. And I'm like, when? I've never seen you guys fight. And so, you know what I mean? Because they were doing their best to protect me. And fast forward, I didn't even realize that that was affecting my own relationships where I have one disagreement with a partner. And I'm thinking, this isn't normal. I've, my parents mm-hmm. never fight. I'm not, this isn't supposed to happen. When Wait, Violet, that, way- totally, that totally resonates with me because- I grew up the exact same way. My parents never fought, never raised their voice in front of us. Like everything was like smooth sailing. So now that you're saying that, like, I haven't really, I've always wondered, like, is that because they were so happy or, or what have you, but it makes sense now when I fight with my husband that I'm like, oh my God, everything is like wrong. We're like wrong for each other. This is like not right. You know, because it does, it goes back to your childhood. So I don't have the answer to anything anymore. I honestly, like, I start to question myself when I think about all these different things. I'm like, then what is the answer? How can you protect your children from yeah. anything? Because you're still getting great trauma, regardless yeah. of what you try to do. <laughs> I think the most important thing that I've learned having kids is the aftermath and the apology is so much more important. Unless you're saying things like, I hope I run over you with a car. <laughs> like, maybe that's not the best. Um, or like, I'm going to, Chop your dick off. Um, But if it's like a normal fight, you know, we make a point where we like kiss when we've made up in front of our kids and we say, hey, guys, look, mommy and daddy have made up and we love each other. And conflict. I have a daughter who um, is very sensitive and so she gets very riled up. And last night she was saying some really horrible things to me. Um, They weren't horrible. I was probably just it was just traumatic for me. She was like, why should I talk to you? And like, you know, I would never be able to talk to my parents like that. Um, And this morning she wrote a note to me and she said, I'm really sorry that I spoke to you like that. And I apologize. And I was just like, 
I love you. You were obviously going through something. Um, I'm always here for you. Yes, it did hurt my feelings. I'm human and it did hurt. Um, but thank you for that apology. And I don't think she would have done that or thought to do it if she hadn't witnessed that. Um, the aftermath. And I do it to my kids. Sometimes I yell at them and then I'll sit down. Mm-hmm. I was really overstimulated and I'm mm-hmm. really sorry. Like I never had my parents apologize to me and mm-hmm. just cause it was that generation. And like, she was like, yeah, it really hurt my feelings. And I was like, I know it did. And I'm really sorry. Like I'm really sorry. I, that was screwed up. I really like that side of TikTok though, where I've seen, even though I'm not a parent, I like the side of TikTok where I see parents now where they shut the door and they go, Oh my God. Look, I love my daughter, my seven-year-old daughter, but fuck, she is so annoying right now. Yeah. She wants to see that because it's almost like, oh, then you understand like your, your friends who have children, mm-hmm. then they feel more normal because you get to express like, I love my kid, but it won't leave me alone right now. Or mm-hmm. the fact that you get to find out that you may not attach to your child when you first give birth and you mm-hmm. may not, ha- you know, I think it's all so healthy to know, or even the fact that my you expressing that your daughter hurt your feelings mm-hmm. the other night and mm-hmm. or vice versa. I think it's I love hearing that because it makes you feel like, OK, these relationships are possible mm-hmm. and there's no such thing as a perf- one perfect way. Hmm. Yeah. And it's also our own trauma, too. Like she was really angry last night and I had to take my own accountability because we now share the same clothes. <laughs> She's she's 10 and I'm small, you know, like so she wears a size 12 and I wear an extra small. So like this is the same. We wear the same clothes and I bought her like 10 new things and she was so excited. She hasn't been shopping for a while. And I wore her sweater yesterday on a podcast because I didn't have my parents house. I didn't have a sweater. And she was like, it's not new anymore. Like you've ruined it. And like I went straight to my trauma of like, well, I bought it for you and, you know, well, then you can't borrow. This is what I said, like a child. I was like, well, then you can't borrow my sweatpants because it's a, it's a transaction, right? You borrow my stuff. I borrow your stuff. But when I thought about it, I was like, Tamman, she's a 10-year-old who just got some new clothes and she doesn't want her mother to like fuck it up and like put her perfume on it. And it's like means something to her because now she has an identity. And I think when they're young, you feel like they don't really have their just an extension of you. And then you realize, oh my goodness, she's her own person who wants to wear her you know, uh, NYC sweatshirt and she doesn't want her mom because it's not cool anymore. And it was just like my trauma just so like rearing its head being like, well, fuck you, <laughs> like, you know. My sister explained it perfectly. We went to Disneyland with her two daughters mm-hmm. and her husband, my sister's husband. And uh, I forget what one of her daughters was doing, but we took something away from her. Maybe it wasn't mm-hmm. hers. I forget what she was holding something. And we're like, no, it's not yours. Give it back. And she started crying. And I'm like, oh, come on, relax. And then my sister explained it perfectly where she said, we don't realize that we have a whole world. We as adults have so much going on. We have work, we have outside. And for children, based on their age, it's like Mm -hmm. her world right now is just kindergarten and her two best friends and this little wand at Disneyland. That's her world. Like this wand Mm -hmm. means the world to her. This is her thing. And when you process it like that, you're like, right, this child, like for for you, your daughter, it was her shirt. Like she got uh, 10 new clothes, 10 new items. And that's her world now. She gets to tell her two best friends about her clothes. But now mommy wore one of her shirts. And then it's like, that kind of ruins my current world because her world is so small and we don't realize how cute that is actually, you know? So cute. (laughs) You have to step back and really put yourselves in. It's hard to do because whenever I have a disagreement with my daughter, my first inclination is to react, you know, and just like 
you know, get the frustration out or whatever. And it's the hardest thing to put yourself back in that place, you know, because we don't tap into our inner child as much. We don't look inwards like that a lot of the time. And it's so, for me, at least it's really hard to get on that level and just really, you know, and I, I feel like it's so humbling too. I mean, I feel like the apologies to the kids are, are just as important as when they apologize mm. to us for doing something. Yeah. I can't imagine mm-hmm. that must be very humbling. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you guys a, a quick story before we go, but it was, I'll tell it really fast, but um, we went to the beach in Australia and mm-hmm. my daughter has this dog that my grandma, her grandma just gave to her like a little toy dog. And hmm. she hides her toys so her sister will find them. But she hid it so well in the sand that we couldn't find it. So my husband dug for two hours the entire beach to try to find this little dog toy. And hmm. we didn't find it. And she was hyster- talking about your own little world. She was hysterical. Hmm. You would have thought she lost her best friend. She couldn't. She couldn't hmm. breathe. So then I have a question and I put it on my social media. I said, do we hmm. teach her the lesson? that she, if you bury your toys, you lose them? Or does my husband go back to the beach with a shovel and buy the dog toy, which is from Kmart or like a Target, and pick up the dog toy again and put some sand on it and like pull it out from the sand and be like, we found your toy. (laughs) Or do we let her learn the lesson that if you bury your toys for your sister that, you know, you might not find them again. And you know, like 63% of people out of Tens of thousands of votes on my on my stories said, learn the lesson. Mm. And I'm like, isn't she too young to take that wonder away from her? I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I think I think my mom made a good point recently. And she said, because when I, I was talking about my niece and I said, she should be better at dance. Like by, by five years old, I was already in gymnastics. Mommy put me in gymnastics, you know, Russians. So mm. gymnastics, blah, blah. And my mom said, you know what? I realized talking to your sister, let kids be kids. They mm-hmm. will have the opportunity to learn to be adults. Let them be children. So I think why already take that away from your innocent child? Like let her have her happy moment. That's her world. Mm-hmm. What like as if she needs to have some lesson of well, if you bury things in the sand, it'll be gone. <laughs> yeah. So learn that mm-hmm. eventually. I think, and I think people are always way too harsh on other people's lives. Hmm. I think that's so it's always like, well, I would never do that. Well, do you have a child? No. So how would you know? That's the thing. When it's your own kid, it's like, you don't want them to feel that pain too. Like I would, I'm a softie. I would be like, oh my God, David, go to the store, like get the toy, do the whole thing. Because when they're that young, I mean, there's no emotional regulation. It's, you know, you're breaking, not breaking them, but it's like, it cracks them a little bit. It's her world. Like, why does she need to yeah. learn? She's 10 years old. She really needs to learn a life lesson right now at 10. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think a little bit my husband wants to be the hero, which I understand he he didn't have the best upbringing. So, like, there's a part of him that wants to be, like, the saving grace. And maybe that's a great thing for his world, too, you know, to feel mm-hmm. like he, he can he can give something to his kids that he never got as a kid. Mm-hmm. Well, did you know, based on research, it shows that whatever your love language as an adult is whatever mm-hmm. you didn't get to have as a child. So like for my love language as an adult is touch and words of affirmation because I didn't grow mm-hmm. up with it. My father's love language that he showed me that I didn't realize was love was uh, acts of service because mm-hmm. he didn't get that from his alcoholic deadbeat father. 
So that's normally what you're love. So for your father, uh, for your husband, for your father, for your husband, mm-hmm. he's just trying to now give his children something he wasn't able to get himself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the sweetest thing. And I think there's nothing sweeter. Obviously, maybe I'm being biased, but there's nothing sweeter than a daughter and father relationship. And, to, you know, for your daughter to look at him as her savior, that mm-hmm. is just so endearing. Well, we're going to go get that Sandy dog toy right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let him be the hero, Tamman. Just let him I be the know. hero. Well, thank you so much for coming on again. I hope I see you hey. in LA at some point because I know we cross paths like all the time. But but I would love to do that. And where can everyone find you? I'm sure they already know, but in case they don't. You can find me on Instagram at Violet Benson or my meme account at Daddy Issues underscore or my podcast on every Tuesday and Thursday everywhere called Almost Adulting. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment. We are Women on Top Official on Instagram. And we're Women on Top Podcast on Facebook and Women on Top Official on TikTok. Follow us. (laughs) And I am Roxy Manning, and that is Violet Benson. Benson. And we are Women on Top. Oh. Oh.